Hi, this is Kevin McCullough. Thanks for listening to the Christian Outlook podcast, where we cover today's issues from a perspective that honors your Christian faith. Our podcast is brought to you through a partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. Here's another piece I trust you'll enjoy. I hope you have prayed for Ukraine, for the people of Ukraine. I hope you continue to be prompted as you hear news stories, as you hear reports. Uh, We wanted to kind of bring you close into that in this hour and give you an update from people who are uh, in touch with what's going on uh, in Ukraine. And I reached out to my friend Ed Cannon and asked Ed if he would uh, join us this afternoon. Ed is the president of the Far East Broadcasting Company. FEBC uh, has 149 stations throughout Asia, throughout Eastern Europe, in Africa, in the Pacific Rim, broadcasting in 145 languages in 50 countries with almost 150 million million listener engagements using both shortwave and over-the-air broadcasting and emerging technologies to get the gospel out to to people in countries, in places in our world where uh, the gospel uh, can penetrate via technology when it can't, when it may be illegal to, for believers to get together and, and meet or start a church. Um, I know FEBC has been active in Ukraine. And in fact, when I reached out to Ed, he said, uh, I've got somebody I'd like to bring on with us and have him join in the conversation. Uh, Victor Aktorov uh, from uh, FEBC. He's FEBC's Ukrainian director. So both of them are with us this afternoon on Southern California Live. Ed, Victor, welcome to the program. Pleasure to be with you, Bob. Good to be here. Good to hear your voice. Yeah, Ed, Ed, um, talk a little bit about FEBC's reach into Ukraine, the history there, what what you guys have been doing and for how long you've been doing it there. Sure. Well, we've been broadcasting in the Russian language into Ukraine via shortwave for over 50 years. And uh, we've had a tremendous response way back in the early days from people in that country who listen to the shortwave. They write in. We have piles of letters in the office that were all answered by our staff many, many years ago. But recently we've, uh, we've evolved into a local FM network. We built seven FM stations in Ukraine, staffed them with all Ukrainian uh, nationals who understand the culture, they speak the local language, and now we've moved into social media platforms, uh, Facebook Live, TikTok, and some other ones that old guys like me don't even know how to pronounce, (laughs) but reaching millions of people via social media. And so we've had that uh, ministry established there now very actively uh, with the FM and social media for about the last eight years, and it's a perfect setup to go into a wartime situation where people know who you are, they understand what you talk about, and when the chips are down, when the anxiety is high, people turn to places like Christian radio stations for hope. Ed, when we saw the missiles take out the uh, the broadcast tower in, I think it was in Kiev, that it, it was taken out yesterday, did that affect FEBC? No, actually, I believe that was a television station. Okay, TV station. Um, Victor, ahead. you you may know better than uh, than either of us. Victor, you were born in Ukraine, right? Yes, that's correct. Yes, I, I was actually born in a city where the war began. 
Okay, so so tell us a little bit about your Ukrainian history and how you came to be the uh, the director, the Ukrainian director for FEBC. Well, um, I used to listen uh, to FEBC broadcasts as a child growing up. As Ed just mentioned, we've been broadcasting in Russian and Ukrainian too, to the Ukrainian territory. And I grew up in the eastern Ukraine where everybody speaks Russian. So I'm one of those um, Ukrainians who are ethnic Russians. I, I'm, I guess, the problem, uh, the reason for all of, all of this. And um, But as soon uh, as soon as country opened up, the Soviet Union disintegrated. Uh, I joined the FBC and we started building stations throughout Russia and also started the ministry in Ukraine as well. It was limited in Ukraine uh, because we concentrated on Russia where it's, the gospel was much more needed. And mm. um, But also started working in Ukraine and then um, it was by God's providence, I think, that we opened station um, a year the first Ukrainian station a year before before the war started in 2016, uh, and and uh, started broadcasting there, and, and of course all these events started to happen, and, and our station was shut down, and we lost four of our volunteers. They were uh, martyred for for their faith, and uh, since then uh, we uh, grew to have seven stations, and uh, we are about to open. Number eight in a big city of Zaporizhia, but this happened today. So, was this in Crimea where people were martyred? No, it was in eastern Ukraine, just after Crimea and the war um, started in eastern Ukraine, in the city of Slavyansk, and that's where our station is. And um, people were thinking same thing will happen as as it happened in Crimea, and it did not. So lawlessness just just uh, just. Uh, was everywhere, and four of our brothers, our volunteers. One of them is one of the most joyful broadcasters you you would ever meet. Um, were captured and they they were tortured for 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 their faith. And um, I have a first hand account how lady a lady who's not a Christian was telling me how they were martyred. Uh, mm. It was a heartbreaking story. But God has been using FBC from from that one station to now. And have a network of seven stations plus a huge network, a huge network on new media, and it is beyond our expectations how many people listen to us today. Victor, you you made the statement. You talked about the war beginning in 2016. R- really, in in the mind of the Ukrainians, what what has happened in the last seven or eight days is a continuation of what has been. Um, going on for years, there, you, you've lived in in the shadow of conflict for a long time, haven't you? That that's correct. Our our, our team has been has been uh, working under severe conditions. Um, uh, our station is about sixty kilometers from uh, from the uh, war zone, and it is it is scary. And sometimes I talk to my uh, to my people, and and you hear bullets flying and of course we are going as close as possible to to the war zone because that's where people suffer the most so we distribute radios there hundreds and hundreds of radios and just recently um um, we had some leftovers several hundred radios and and the military came to us and said can you give us those radios because 
we see how people listen to your broadcast and, and they, they they change inside. We don't know mm. what's happening, but can we have those radios? So we just gave it to all of them. So now Ukrainian soldiers are listening to to those radios. Wow. So the conflict started in 2014, and um, now, of course, it's it's so different. It's so massive. Yeah. It's so scary, so frightening. Nobody, nobody expected that this would happen to such an extent. Um, and it is amazing to see how uh, FEBC people are responding to the crisis today. We're talking with uh, Ed Cannon from FEBC, also with Victor uh, Aktorov from who is the Ukrainian director for FEBC, the Far East Broadcasting uh, Company, and and Ed, you, if I'd have called you a month ago and said what's going on with you in early March, you you were planning to be in Kiev right now, weren't you? That's right, Victor, and I had uh, tickets to fly into Kiev uh, to have a meeting with our staff, and we were bringing an external partner to visit with us. We were going to fly in on the 24th of February, which is like right in the middle of all the trouble. So fortunately, yeah. uh, the airlines kind of suggested that we might not be going, <laughs> and, and we're here in the U.S. And you're in touch with people, with colleagues who are still mm-hmm. in the country. What are they telling you as you're you're talking to pastors, to broadcasters, to people who work at the stations? What are you hearing, Ed? Well, um, I'll let Victor maybe tell a little bit about what they're hearing, but I think what's important for your audience to understand, you think, how can you be talking with these people in the middle of the war zone? But interestingly, Bob, the Internet is still up and running in that country. Uh, I do think it's somewhat of a miracle. Perhaps it's God's provision over our staff to allow them to communicate, post the stuff on their social media sites. But we've had a number of Zoom calls with all of the staff um, and they connect in via the Internet on a Zoom call. Many of them are in the basements of relatives. Some of them are calling from subway stations. A few of them are still in our offices, uh, our studios, but not many. And, uh, you know, they share with us with tears, with anger, uh, with frustration, with desperation. But yet the common theme that we hear from these broadcasters is, you know, now that the war has started, We've gotten over the hump of being paralyzed with fear. Now we're uh, emboldened with fear to proclaim the gospel because people need it now more than they ever have. And I'll let Victor add to that. Yeah, Victor, go ahead and add to that. Yeah, and uh, of course, I'm in contact with them over Telegram and Zoom and uh, everything else. And it is it is amazing how powerful God is using our people, and they they are growing as leaders. You you could see that they're taking initiative, broadcasting uh, online from bomb shelters, and as they do, people around them are listening. People around them are crying. People around them are asking for help after the broadcast, and they broadcast from their kitchens, from their toilets where they feel safe, and and they share the word of god uh, with people and when when i say share the word of god sometimes we just we just do that we we just read the word of god and mm. the word of god is so powerful we are discovering once again in these difficult circumstances and and god is is touching the hearts of the people we have many young broadcasters one of them is uh, her name is ina and she was fleeing from kiev after spending a couple of nights uh, in the bomb shelter she said, maybe I'll go with friends to the city of Vinita, which is in the west. She came there on uh, the same night, shelling, sirens, 
she's calling me and saying, Victor, I hear sirens. Sirens, I, I'm going into the bomb shelter. And she starts broadcasting from there. She's doing this uh, for several hours a day and uh, just calling people to, to repentance. And a lot of young people listen to her. She's kind of sounds very cool, very, very interesting, very alive. And uh, now now she's, she's doing this direct evangelism. And a lot of people call and respond, and she said, you know, uh, a lot of you are calling, maybe, maybe you can respond on my, on my page in one of the social networks. And they started to respond, and she, I, I was talking to her, and she says, uh, I've been responding to them for two hours already. The list of people is endless, people who are accepting Christ and, and saying, yes, I do, yes, I accept Christ. Uh, they learned this new uh, uh, word, Amen. They're saying amen to what you're saying. And uh, so many people are just accepting Christ, teenagers, uh, people who are in their 20s, and she's responding to them. And of course, uh, we also have, uh, she's not doing this alone, we, we also have a team of counselors and people who are now scattered because of the war around uh, throughout Ukraine. And we have about 35 people who are working nonstop non-stop, day and night. I'm uh, telling them, I'm telling the leader of the team, make sure that our people rest a little bit, because you cannot minister that you know, for, for a week now. And, and she says, but we cannot stop because there are so many calls, so many people who are in distress, so many people who are seeking Christ. Um, I, uh, this is the understatement, but, uh, but uh, more people came to know Christ in these seven days in, in the past seven months, and, and we have about a thousand responses a day. It's not like you know we we don't have any influence now. Now it is big, um, but but we have four times as many listeners on social networks. We we can see those people. So yes. it is exciting, overwhelming. Um, it is a huge blessing in the midst of terrible tragedy. Victor Aktorov is the UK, Ukrainian director for. Uh, Far East Broadcasting Network. Ed uh, Cannon is the president of FEBC, and we're talking about FEBC's work in Ukraine, uh, which is continuing in the midst of this, as you're hearing people hearing the gospel, people responding to the gospel. Uh, I was surprised, Victor, and I I did not realize this until, really, I started to uh, to dig in and learn more in light of the, the conflict here. The, the majority of Ukrainians profess faith in Christ. The, the, there is a, I, I saw Ukraine referred to as kind of the buckle of the Eastern European Bible Belt, that, that God is at work in Ukraine in some amazing ways and has been for years. It is true and not true at the same, at the same time. Uh, a lot of people who profess to be Christians, what they mean is, uh, I'm Ukrainian, Thus, I'm I'm a Christian. That's true in the United um, States uh, too, right? Well, not not to that extent. Believe you know, you ask them who is Abraham, and they they think you're asking about Abraham Lincoln. So, uh, people who never never opened the Bible in their lives uh, are calling themselves Christians. So, our approach is, of course, not not to fight uh, on that you know cultural kind of approach, but to say as Christians, let's open the Bible and read the Bible. So we've been doing this for years, and if we're talking about Bible-believing Christians, it's uh, about 3% uh, maybe of Ukrainians who, who are truly following Christ. And, and there are some among the cultural uh, people who are culturally Christian. There are some who are sincere, but 
but very, very few. And so we have a lot of work to do in front of us. Ed, do you want to add to that? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I, I appreciate your comment, Bob. We have the similar sort of thing here in the U.S. But in places like Ukraine, people attend church. There's big churches, beautiful churches uh, all over, and they have icons and saints. But I think people are missing the point that they need to know Jesus. Uh, just like it says in Matthew chapter 7, there are many people who say, Lord, Lord, but on that final day they shall not enter the, into the kingdom of heaven hmm. because I never knew you. And I think this is what Victor's trying to point out. It's a culturally Christian nation desperately in need of the gospel, and we're really seeing that um, significantly now that people are worried, scared, and concerned, and they're seeking the truth of the gospel. We're talking with Ed Cannon and with Victor uh, Aksarov, who is the Ukrainian director for FEBC, Far East Broadcasting Company, uh, overseeing the ministry there and the the gospel that is going forth in the middle of this war zone. We have all been, Victor, we've all been moved by the the courage, the resolute bravery that we're seeing from Ukrainians who are saying, we will stand and fight for our freedom and for our country. We are not going to, we're, we're, we're just, just pass, pass me a, a gun and, and I'm in the battle is that what's behind that? What how, has that been traditionally the case with Ukrainians? That's been traditionally and the case with some Ukrainians, especially in the western parts of the country. So and there was this uh, kind of nationalistic movement uh, in the west of Ukraine to move away from Russia for decades. But what's happening today is uh, nobody expected that kind of unity of the country. Uh, Ukraine uh, has been in relation with Russia for centuries, of course, uh, but today Ukraine is so different uh, from from where Russia is moving. Uh, they are moving in a different way. They want to be part of Europe. They want to have democratic freedoms. They want to have free elections. Different presidents from, you know, well, once in a while, and uh, unlike Russia, I think uh, the Russian president did not realize uh, how far away Ukraine is from Russia, culturally, politically, in a way of thinking, uh, in a way of seeing the world, the future. So, And that um, brought this uh, resistance that is fearless in Ukraine. And nobody really expected that the Ukrainian president would be so brave. He's a former comedian. He's, he's just a guy you know, like your next door neighbor, hmm. and people wanted to likable, so so he he was elected, and what's happening today is just just amazing, and uh, so nobody expected this kind of resistance. But of course, the Russian army is when when you talk about sheer power of the Russian army is so much stronger. So we don't know what the future will bring. Well, and that we are we're hearing all these early reports that. Uh, the the forty mile convoy is bogged down. That it's stuck. That it's not moving forward. Uh, I'm, I'm hearing about uh, the fact that the, the Russian army thought they would they would have Kiev by uh, within two or three days. It's been seven days. They don't have Kiev yet. It's it's going much more slowly than they thought. And yet, uh, Vladimir Putin is happy to throw a lot of money and a lot of people and a lot of uh, ammunition at this. And just the sheer numbers. 
can Ukraine survive? Apart, it, it seems to me that apart from divine intervention, um, it's it's just a matter of how much blood will be spilled before Ukraine is is overcome by the Russians. You know, Bob. That's, one of the that's things a, that, that's exactly. Go ahead. Go ahead, Victor. Uh, yeah, that, that's exactly the feeling that that uh, all all of Ukrainians are now sharing. Uh, we we need a miracle from God uh, to to end this conflict. However, uh, it ends in negotiations. Hopefully, uh, hopefully soon. Hopefully, big bloodshed will not happen because it's yes. going to be hundreds of thousands of people. Yeah, Ed. What were you going to say? Yeah, I was going to say we've received some communications. Even last night I was receiving from one of our finest broadcasters, uh, Sergey. He was sending photographs from inside of a grocery store. The shelves were completely empty. The freezers were completely empty. There was lots of people in the stores but nothing to purchase. And so I think it's a similar situation with the gasoline and fuel supply. Uh, You know, the resistance is strong and encouraging here at the beginning. But as the transportation uh, bogs down, not only for the Russian soldiers, but for bringing in supplies for the Ukrainian people, I'm afraid there's going to be a time when uh, the resistance is going to be depleted because there's no food, there's no fuel, and there will be no ammunition. Yeah, and and will there be inter- – how much longer does Internet stay up or electricity or – or gasoline or, or natural gas. I, I, I understand. Yeah. It's, a, it's, a, it's a desperate time. Um, Victor, somebody reminded me this morning of how God humbled King Nebuchadnezzar in, in the book of Daniel. And they said, you know, we need to be praying that God might do a humbling. It, it's within his power to, to bring humbling to, uh, to the Russian president. And, and somehow it seems to me that unless something happens to um uh, to either bring repentance or uh to uh for, for some for God to take Putin out uh, th- that seems to me to be the only uh checkmate in this that might slow things down and my 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 personal feeling is is at this point beyond repentance so um this one 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 of those times um when when you realize that God is sovereign and um we we fully trust him whatever he's doing in this historical period but um my my main concern is that we and and this is what um, the conversations that uh, we we are having constantly with our team what do we do when we look back we don't know if Ukraine will stand will fall uh, if Putin will be alive in uh, in three months or or not, all of those things uh, don't depend on us. And we are thinking when we look back, um, will we be glad that we followed the God that God's plan for our lives? Mm-hmm. I was talking to two of our uh, our broadcasters, and uh, somebody offered them a way to immigrate to Germany, just to flee to Germany, and both of them said no. Uh, I understand this might look right even for our families, but we need to be here today and and broadcast the gospel to our people. And uh, it is stories like that that truly, truly inspire me, despite of what's happening in in a bigger political world. 800,000 people have emigrated to other countries. And Ed, I know that FEBC is active in other Eastern European countries. Uh, I saw video today from the border in Poland, and 
the lines of people and the lines of cars, people trying to get in. I mean, it's a logistical uh, nightmare for, for what's going on there. And yet there's opportunity for churches and for other FEBC stations to, uh, to, to be there to help these immigrants, right? Right. You know what, Bob? It takes me to Acts chapter 8. Um, and at the end of chapter 7, when the stoning of Stephen took place, a horrific time in history. But what happened after that? It says, chapter 8, verse 1, on that day a great persecution broke out mm. against the church at Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. And it goes on to say, those who had been scattered preached the word everywhere they went. Mm. So yes, our staff in Ukraine are challenged with this threat that they need to leave the country. And they're certainly scattering out all throughout the land of Ukraine today. They're leaving their homes. They're running away from uh, the military aggression. However, they're faithful to the mission of the organization. They're faithful to their own personal commitment to the Lord. And, Bob, they are proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ powerfully everywhere they go. So I don't want to underestimate the suffering and the horrific uh, problems of death and separation that this war is causing, but God is using this circumstance in in a sovereign way to spread his gospel throughout that country in a way that we haven't seen in the entire time that FEBC has been serving there. Victor, I, I read a piece today from somebody who said that uh, – it could be that Ukraine will will come under control the control of the Soviet Union, but this person said the Ukrainian people will never uh, simply submit to to Russian authority. So whether it's five years, ten years, whatever it is, there may be political control, but Ukrainians will never say we're Russians now. Is that right? That's that's exactly right. Um, that's exactly right. So some. Some people might, but as a nation, Ukrainians will not submit, uh, will not submit. So um, we were just creating a slogan uh, for uh, for our radio station to do, and, and uh, everybody agreed that um, we, we're going to choose that one. We will not submit to anyone except Jesus Christ. Mm. So that, that's what we are proclaiming, and that resonates with people, that this is where Ukrainian people are. Nobody wants to be a slave to any other country. And um, just looking into the past and thinking that, you know, Russia was great, it will be great again. I I wish, uh, I hope Russia will become great again, but not not in this way, not, not in this manner, not by subduing nations around them. Uh, I'm an ethnic Russian myself. I grew up in Ukraine. I, I understand the complexities of all of this, but this is definitely not the way to go. This is definitely not the way to to grow your influence. Uh, Russia is losing the influence. And, uh, of course, we are praying for the country of Russia, for the people of Russia. In some ways, they, they need more uh, of our prayers today than even Ukrainians for obviously different reasons, but, but there's such darkness uh, on, uh, above Russia today. It is, it is difficult to see. We've, we've seen the, the uh, protests going on in St. Petersburg, and honestly, I was, I was stunned to see it because I thought, I didn't think they, 
they would let you gather in a square in St. Petersburg and protest. I, I didn't think Russians protested their government. I, I, what's going on? Are there, are there people in in Russia? Is there a movement in Russia to say we this is not who we are or who we want to be? And uh, I'm, I'm wondering what's going on with the Russian military. Are these guys following orders for fear of being shot, or do they really are they true believers that we need to to reestablish the USSR? I would say it's 50-50. People who go and protest in the square are the brave ones. I was talking to our our Russian program director who lives in St. Petersburg, and and he was saying some of my friends were detained, people who went and protested. Uh, It was about 1,500 people who were detained in St. Petersburg on that night, and people continue to do that. Just just today they arrested an old lady who holds saying no to war, uh, and there are a lot of people who feel that. Uh, I would like to say most people, but uh, I'm guessing it's about 50-50, because the propaganda and because of the media is so, so strong. Uh, they closed today two opposition channels, moderate opposition channels, one TV, one radio uh, in Russia, uh, because they want to control the message. And it is it is impossible, it is scary to listen to what what the government is saying, what those propaganda leaders are saying. It is it is like 1930s in, in Germany. It is mm-hmm. scary to see what they're saying, but, but this is this is the reality today. And you're hearing the reports, Victor, that we're all hearing that uh, that Putin has become much more isolated, uh, listening to fewer people, people wondering if he's become more emotionally unhinged. Uh, is he a is he a dangerous leader? And of course, now when he's saying we need to get our nuclear uh, devices on on ready alert, um, it, it he he is a uh, he's a frightening figure in world history right now. He is, and 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 he he just looks different. Uh, something has happened. Uh, there were many rumors, uh, rumors, and of course nobody knows what's really happening behind the walls. But many people are afraid that that he had um, a scary illness uh, like cancer, and he understands that uh, he doesn't have much time, and he wants to go into history books and some of the things that he did in Georgia. And uh, and now in Kazakhstan, he feels like he's successful. Everything is working for him. He's applying pressure. The world is, uh, world is listening to him. So he decided to do this, and uh, it's not working the way he intended. And, and now he doesn't know what to do next. The, the economic sanctions that have been applied are are devastating. Now, the ruble's worth less than a penny, and uh, uh, oligarchs are starting to see that all the money they thought they have, they they don't have like they thought they had. Is is this going to be enough to bring him to a place where he goes, okay, I gotta, I, I gotta save face and and find a way out, but I can't keep doing this. Yeah, yeah, he he was preparing for this for for, for a long time, and uh, he expected this to happen. Uh, so he has a lot of reserves still. So he's hoping that for the next three months he's going to be okay, and then we'll see. So yeah. that's that's the approach that, that he's getting. But the sanctions are so hard, and that maybe he did not anticipate that this would happen. And we are hoping and praying that they work. But but still, usually it's long term, not tomorrow that they're going to feel that. So that's that's the concern. 
Um, Ed, how is the work that you do in Ukraine, how is that funded? Well, it's funded through donations, um, most of which come from the U.S., uh, generous, kind people who believe in the work we do and the Great Commission. Uh, they send gifts, and we support the ministry there in Ukraine. Obviously, we can't collect much funding from the country of Ukraine itself. Right. Uh, and we don't do any advertising or anything like that, so it's it's donation-funded. Folks can go to your website and find out more if they're interested in supporting the, the expansion of the Great Commission through FEBC in 150 countries, right? Yes, you can. It's febc.org. And when you go to our website right now, uh, the Ukraine page will come right up at the very beginning. And I might encourage people to go to the video section. We have a number of videos there. Many are just heart-wrenching stories, Bob, of people leaving their families, uh, driving away from their homes, uh, visiting empty grocery stores, broadcasting from uh, bomb shelters. You can hear bombs going off in the background. So it gives you a look inside of what war is like, the war in Ukraine, from a Christian perspective, and tells you the kind of stories you just really don't hear on the national news here in the United States. So it's a great visit to febc.org. I've been there and looked at a lot of those videos. In fact, we showed a couple of them in church on Sunday. So thank you for uh, helping Mm -hmm. us have the resources available to to get the word out with our people. Um, I know our people, lots of people are thinking, I I want to help. I want to help get food, supplies, resources, whatever, to to the people of Ukraine. Mm -hmm. Is there a way to do that now that, I mean, can, can... we get money into the country or into the hands of people who need it right now? Yes. Well, we actually have the ability to get money into the country. Um, I'm not going to talk about it specifically, but we have ways that we can do that. Uh, and and it's, it's functioning today, and I think it will continue to function. We have uh, increased the amount of salary we're giving our staff there. They're on humble humble salaries, but we think in these times they need some additional funds. I think the bigger problem, Bob, is we need to pray that there are supplies available for the people to buy. Yeah. Uh, the problem with wartime is not necessarily that people don't have financial resources, but there's just no food stocks for them to get in the grocery store. So And we can't go into the country. I'd love to say, let's all gather together and go into Ukraine and and, and stand up with the people against oppression and see if we can help them, but you can't get into the country. It's essentially closed. Um, many of the people can't even get out of the country. Men between the ages of 15 and 60 are not allowed to leave the country regardless of the circumstances because the government feels like they might need them to be fighting. So, yeah, there's not a lot we can do. Prayer is critically important. And uh, every time I'm on the call, Bob, with our staff from over there, they're begging for people here in the United States to pray for them. And their first priority of prayer is pray that we'll be able to continue the message of the gospel to the people that need it so badly now, and that when they hear the good news, their hearts will be open and they'll come to faith. Victor, when we saw uh, Freedom Square uh, devastated this week, is is that a uh, there's something something symbolic i mean putin and his army knows that that's a that's an emotional victory to take out freedom square right i don't think it was an emotional victory it was 
just showing the world uh, who is who and what's what's going on. Destroying Freedom Square is not destroying freedom. Um, yesterday also there there was um, they they were bombing um, Babi Yar uh, near Kiev and that's where hundred thousand uh, Jewish people are buried who were killed mm-hmm. during the Second World War by German uh, Nazis and they are calling Ukrainians uh, Nazis and they are bombing the memorials uh, for for Nazi uh, victims. It is it is. Uh, Difficult to imagine that uh, so many people, when when I talk to them, they're saying, "I I'm, I want to wake up from from this terrible dream." Nobody believes that this is happening, including myself. It is beyond belief, and this is a historic time. And uh, for us, we we keep we keep talking about about preaching the gospel because because we feel we see and we see how needed it is, how yes. powerful it is, uh, how life-changing it is and how hungry the people are and uh, i i keep repeating this because i hear this from from our people as they share the gospel uh, i was talking to eager one one guy uh, he's a tiktoker you know he loves to talk about about christ on tiktok uh yesterday he led 20 teenagers to christ just just over the uh, tiktok and wow. it's it's like that because people are truly hungry um for for you as someone who lived for years in Ukraine to to see the destruction going on there that's i mean we've never been there you you know some of these places as they show them on television got to be hard to watch all of this my home well i have a couple of hometowns because we were um, persecuted during the Soviet times, and my dad, who was a scientist, and they wanted to put him in prison. So, uh, in between prison terms, he we lived in this um, town called Shastya, which means happiness uh, hmm. for a year. It's obliterated; it's yes. non-existent today. Painful to watch is the understatement. Um, and as we as we think about uh, what. What the the ministry of the gospel? I, I'm just wondering: Can the ministry of the gospel continue in Ukraine if the Soviets capture the city? Are they going to shut down what FEBC is doing there? Well, not if we have anything to say about it. We have a very resilient staff. We work very hard to avoid uh, surrendering to the oppression of the world. Uh, we have a number of countries, Bob, where FEBC is serving, where it's. It's difficult as well to broadcast the gospel, but that's what we've been doing for 77 years, and we're not going to let it stop us here. Uh, When I speak with our staff over there in Ukraine, uh, these Zoom calls, Bob, we turn to Psalm 91, which says, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. Hmm. He shall not fear the terror of night nor the arrow that flies by day. If you make the Most High your dwelling, even the Lord who is my refuge, then no harm will befall you, Mm. no disaster will come nigh thy dwelling, for he commandeth his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. And we pray that and trust that, Bob, that uh, as we continue to do the best we can to proclaim the gospel, he will protect our ability to keep the broadcasts on the air, to keep the social media streaming, to keep getting the Word of God into the hearts of the people some way or other. 
And, of course, one of the great things about over-the-air broadcasting is uh, even from Ukraine, you've got people across the border. They, they, can't, they can't put up a wall against radio signals at the border in Russia. You've got Russians who have been listening to Ukrainian radio for years and hearing the gospel, and it's a lifeline for them. Absolutely, and uh, we will continue with those kind of pursuits. We're looking at new technologies constantly, Bob, as uh, the ones that we've got up today are being blocked by various and sundry evil forces. And who knows, uh, we'll be broadcasting from a satellite orbiting Mars someday, but we'll keep the gospel <laughs> in that country. Um, but just, just to add to that, uh, yeah, go ahead, Victor. To add to that, we today have uh, in Russia for uh, from four to 12 million listeners a month today, wow. despite wow. all the restrictions, going around those restrictions, finding new ways, bringing new people, uh, using new networks. And uh, it is uh, uh, amazing. I was just talking to one of our Russian broadcasters, and he was saying he's doing five-hour broadcasts every day, and, and people are crying, accepting Christ, don't know what to expect. And uh, but so many of them uh, listen today. So God will open other doors. We firmly believe that. We've seen him do this so many times in our ministry. Well, and, and we've already said it this hour, but it, it is in the face of persecution and oppression and adversity that often the seeds of the gospel flourish and grow. In fact, it's always stood out to me that uh, the, the seven churches that are mentioned in, in Revelation chapters 2 and 3, um, the one church that um, Jesus does not say, I have anything against you, is the church in Smyrna. And it was the persecuted church. It was the church that was being crushed and oppressed. And, and Jesus, rather than having a rebuke against that church, promised blessing to that church. And I, I have to think that in Ukraine now, uh, God is uh, not only protecting his people, but he is there. There are there are seeds being planted for a gospel harvest there. Whatever the political outcome is, people are are understanding eternal issues in very fresh ways, and recognizing that um, that there we need there there must be a God who's in control of things, and we keep pointing people to him. You keep pointing people to him through the work of FEBC. So. I want to just, as as we wrap up here, I want to pray for you guys and for the work that you're doing and just ask our listeners to join us in prayer. So, Father, we call out to you on behalf of uh, uh, our brothers here, Ed and Victor. We cry out on behalf of those who are in harm's way, uh, gospel-loving broadcasters and pastors, shepherds who are caring for their people, who are proclaiming the gospel, who are staying put so they can continue the ministry of the gospel in spite of the danger and the hardship they're facing. Protect them, be with them, care for them, nurture them, keep them safe, we pray. Keep the airwaves open, keep the gospel going out. And Lord, we do pray that you would uh, turn the heart of the king, that this there would be uh, a quick resolution. We don't see how that happens, but we pray that it would happen. And just pray that uh, that you would get glory in all that happens here. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Ed, Victor, thank you for the time this afternoon. It's been a joy. Thank you so much. Thanks to your listeners for uh, for praying with us. Thanks for listening to Christian Outlook. Our program is coming to you today in partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. It's America's most unique graduate leadership programs offered on Pepperdine's breathtaking campus in Malibu, California. 
Learn more at publicpolicy.pepperdine.edu. If you enjoy our podcast, take a moment and tell a friend to subscribe today.